Hey, 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 this is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Welcome to Who's That Star? Today's star is someone who loves words. He knows more words and how to use them than anyone I know. He's an educator, writer, and editor with an MA in English and History from Michigan State University. He also has an MA in English from Western Michigan University. He has published several dozen articles, chapters, and reference entries on works of Arthur's from Ray Bradbury to Shakespeare. He has also written and published three books of his own and is currently working on another. He has been an employee of LCC for 30 years in many roles. He has worked as a faculty and is currently in administration. He is one of the people that trained me to be such an awesome advisor. He has an eye for details and good at explaining processes. Hey, audience, are you ready to find out who's today's star? All right. Today's star is Rafiq McGivern. Yay, Rafiq. We are so glad to have you here. You see how the audience loves you? Oh, that's really kind. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We are glad to have you, Rafiq. Um, You're one of my uh, favorite people on campus. Uh, You're somebody that taught me... uh, how to be a good advisor and what to look for. And you really made me take it seriously. And so I want to thank you for that. Give you your flowers while you're here. Um, you do an excellent job. You make sure that students understand what they need to get. And you taught us how to do that too. So thank well, you. Well, thank you. And so Rafi, Boy, they I smell get... really nice. Those huh? flowers smell great. Thanks. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad to give them to you, Rafiq, because you deserve them. And you really do a good job. And so, I, like I said, I, I appreciate all the stuff that you've done to help me. So I want to get started, Rafiq. How long have you been employed at LCC? Well, it's been a couple minutes. It's been about 30 years. It'll be 30 in August. Oh, wow. 30 years. That's a long time. What, what brought you to LCC? How did you get started here at LCC? Well, when I started at LCC, I had just finished my first master's, and I was looking to teach English, and a friend of mine recommended that I come to LCC, you know, for at least a little while, and it ended up being that I loved the place. Right. So here I am. 30 years later. 30 years <laughs> later. I so, didn't think it was going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, who thinks that you're going to stay somewhere? You know, back in the day, you people stayed a long time in jobs, and... Nowadays, that's not so usual, so. Yeah, it's kind of spooky. Hey, well, that's good. No, you got a lot of 
history about LCC and it means that you care about LCC. You stayed that long. So I think that's great. How long did you stay in your role as a teaching faculty? Let's see. I was teaching for uh, about nine years. Okay. And then it kind of in the middle of that, I started doing some advising part-time as well. But okay. A friend of mine said, hey, Rafiq, there's this call in the email that says, why don't you know you come to learn to be an advisor? And I'm like, Pete, I don't know anything about advising. He said, yeah, we're going to learn. Dude was right. So you did that with someone else? And- yep. Oh, yeah. cool. And nope. you last 30 years later, pretty much. Well, you said in the midst. So that would have been 94. Okay, so you were an advisor from 94 till... 2015. Wow. So you spent a long that's, time. That's 20 years, gal. Right, yeah. 20, 20 years. years of an advising. And then you left advising. Well, at first in advising, I really think that you did a great job in advising. What are some of the things that you learned in advising that you think helped you move on to your next role? Well, part of it is being detail-oriented. A program pathway or a curriculum guide tells a student how to start, get through, and graduate. So if I don't know the rules or I misunderstand how the thing works, that means I've told a student a way that's not going to get them graduated. Right. And that is really scary. So you got to, you know, know the, the little details and you have to know the big picture of how students start and how you get them through and how they get graduated. And uh, the, the folks in registrar's office helped me understand the importance of the college catalog. Because, mm. you know, in advising, you look up to registrars because they're the people who are going to graduate a student. Mm-hmm. And so you'll ask them all these questions like, well, gosh, is this going to work? Is that going to work? Well, these guys would email me back and say, well, yes, Rafiq. And the college catalog says da 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 Okay, well, after, you know, however many years of that, I'm like, huh, this college catalog apparently has all the rules in it, and it does. So, you know, just, and and listening to people, the stuff like you're good at, you're a social worker, you know how to listen to people. I'm, I can listen. You do, and you listen with an ear for what the student wants and try to get them there as quick as possible. And I think that's something that I learned from you as, you know, as I used to go and knock on everybody's door, I would come by, you know, your door and you would make sure that I understood that. And that was a lot of things that I think, like I said today, that makes me a good advisor. So you're a great one. I need to know now where, since you left us in advising, what is your new role now? My title is Academic Affairs Project Manager, so that means I manage projects. Some are large, some are small, and that's probably about it. I think it's a little bit more than that. Like, I know you have a lot of people that email or call you in regards to, like, questions about how to process certain things, right? Well, yeah. Um... You know, really, Lisa, this job that I'm doing now is something that I have wanted to do for a long time. There were times back in the day in advising that I would have to follow a catalog rule that I really wasn't sure was the best. I I would have preferred it to be something different. I wasn't sure it was best for education. Mm -hmm. And in my role now, I can have a voice in that. 
So if there's something that I don't think is right, I'm going to talk with the experts and see how we can fix it. So I'm also the provost's designee for student appeals. Mm -hmm. So if someone has an appeal, like they want to use a course that's not approved for a certain category, the provost's office is the place that can approve that or, or will not approve it. And so I have to take care of all of those. And one thing that's really important when responding to the student, it's easy to give someone something they they want. Mm. That's great. I love that. Right. And usually I just say that this is approved, et cetera, et cetera. The tough part is when you have to deny something. I bet. So in those, you know, I tell the student how I understand and I wish it could be different, but perhaps it can't. I'll refer to our catalog rules. I'll link to them. I will quote them. And sometimes I'll tell the student, you know, this isn't a just because rule that we have because we're jerks. This rule, for example, comes from HLC, our accreditors. Right. The people that accredit our college think that an associate degree should be 60 credits. It can't be 59, for example. Gotcha. So... When you're in a position like mine, just like with yours, when you give bad news, you have to believe in it. Right. You don't ever want to feel that you're giving bad news and then crumble inside saying, well, that's not really a good thing we're doing at LCC. Right. No, you want it to make sense. And I'm really happy that I can do that. Yeah, and I think that that's a good role for you, too, because, you know, you you do want to make sure that you give the student the best opportunity Make sure that if there's any way that you can make their request happen, you'll try. But also on the other end, looking at like we at LCC want our degrees to mean something. And so this rule has to be in place for this, that, and a third or whatever. And so we need those watchdogs, as they say, or people that are going to make sure that that's what the HLC, they're kind of like the watchdog and you're making sure that we please the watchdog and do what they, what they request. And so that's a good, that's a good role. And I don't think I could do it, but I, bet you could. I think that you do an excellent job doing that role. Um, tell me what's your favorite thing about your current job? Really? The student contact is my favorite. You miss that, huh? Yeah. It's not the largest part by any means. Right. I have other things to do. But I like getting an email or a request from a student or an advisor. I like getting into the student record, examining everything, trying to, to do everything I can that's legitimate and helpful and worthwhile, and then responding and telling the student what's what. Right. And, and when I respond, it's in writing. It tells the student what's what and it tells them how to proceed. And I put that email in their record so that anybody can pull it up later and follow up. Yes, spy comment. You are the... <laughs> I am the sultan of spy That's comment. right. You make sure. And, but it's definitely is helpful, and you need to have that. But I think... And you also do a trainings, don't you, yeah. for people and how to do spy comments and degree works and just some of our tools and things. I haven't done degree works in a while because, you know, that's Zach's job now. Okay. You know, Zach is the degree works expert okay. and guru. 
but I do do banner training for employees, not the self-service kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is so simple. You, it's just click, click, click. You don't need any training. Mm, but the okay. back office <laughs> banner, well, kind of. Um, but the back office banner, the banner admin pages, yes, I train in academic history, and I train people in SPA comment and people in departments who need to give prerequisite overrides. I train in that as well. Right. And yeah. it, I believe I've done that since 2008, that's when we shifted from Oracle for that three-year period back to Banner. Oh, and so was, that was a, you did that in your role as an advising, but they sometimes carry that over into your new position because who else is going to do it? Or are you- Right. I mean, because you want somebody who does it. Right. Like there was a time that we had some, we had some trainers train. You would give them the pack and they would train people and that's okay, but they don't actually use it. Right. So they're just reading a pack. Exactly. And I want somebody with boots on the ground teaching yeah. me. And it makes a difference, too, because somebody has that experience, so you can be like, this is a little uh, workaround, or this is what I found that works well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Okay, I have another question. Does your job make you feel happy and fulfilled? Well, yeah, man. That's why I'm here. You could be here for the money. Yeah, Yeah, the money's okay. They pay us. Uh, every two weeks, it's actually very kind of them, <laughs> but uh, no, I really enjoy what I do. And I think that goes back to looking at the students' experience and making sure that they get what they need and that you really help the employees too. make sure mm-hmm. that we give the students what they need. And I, I love getting an email from advisors. You know, I love that. I, there's one on my desk right now. It's open. I hit uh, Windows lock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back and answer it. It's a good one. Good. Love it. So what is a, what's a career highlight you're most proud of? Well, this is kind of a minor thing. But a couple of years ago, I was the one who spearheaded the consolidation of our general education schema. Because mm-hmm. we have the Michigan Transfer Agreement, which is made for transferring. It's a very wide list of courses. It requires nine courses, in, uh, courses in nine categories, very wide list. And we used to have CORE, which was five co- courses in five categories. And that's, you know, may transfer, but may not have to. So we would have students doing an MTA degree, and they would take some really worthwhile courses, and they'd switch and go to do a CORE degree. Most of the courses didn't overlap. Oh. So you could take a couple courses. Oh, they'd be great for Michigan State, Eastern, Central, Western, whatever. But, oh, they're not on our core. Well, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. That was, logically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I worked with, I worked with advising. I worked with registrars. I worked with the Senate leadership. I worked with Senate. I worked with the provost. Mm -hmm. I worked with everybody, and I I spent a lot of time working on this. And I'm glad to say now that any course that you take from the gigantic Michigan Transfer Agreement, if you change your mind and do a different kind of degree, it's still going to count. And it it sounds like kind of a minor thing, Mm -hmm. but to me it's big. It's not. It brings these two separate things, which overlapped a little, it makes them overlap completely. They're all in one great big happy striped tent. Yeah. And it makes the student's journey easier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as an advisor, I, I think that was a great change because, like you said, it could be two or three classes that a student took an MTA that didn't work for CORE. And then CORE 
they had to take those additional classes. So you saving them, you know, time and money by doing that. And everybody will say that's great because who wants to take additional classes when you don't have to? So I, I think that that would be a wonderful career highlight. And I know there's a lot of people that would thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you a little, maybe not necessarily work or it could be work related. Um, if you, if all your needs were met, time and money were not a factor, what would you spend your time and energy doing? I think I would do a lot of reading, a lot of writing, because sometimes it's hard to fit writing in, but you know, it's a thing I do. Mm -hmm. I would do a lot of walking. I would do a lot of road tripping. Okay. And I believe my gal would have me do a lot of outdoor work on the farm. <laughs> I think I think that probably is very true. You would be definitely doing a lot of work on the yeah, farm. Yeah. Um you talked about writing. Tell me a little bit more about your writing. How I know you're an English major and like I said you love words. And I think you do. I don't know if yeah. you think you do, but no, I think you no, love I, words. I agree. I agree. So tell me about what got you interested in becoming an author. What are some of the books that you've written? You know, I guess I've always written. I mean, certainly I've always read. I believe that the first story I wrote, I was probably in, I don't know. I was in elementary school for sure. And I just wrote. And in high school, I was writing stories, uh, sending them to science fiction magazines. They all got bounced. But one of them, actually, the edit, usually when you get a rejection, it says, Dear Contributor, thank you for your submission. But, you know, we really don't care, so go away. And, you know, hopefully we'll hear from you someday again. Thank you. But this one, she actually typed it up to my name, listed the story, and said that she liked it, but, and she listed the but. And... That meant a lot to me. Right. You know, that was a professional person. And, you know, I was kind of close. So I never made it like that. But once I got uh, my first master's done, a couple years later, I was teaching at LCC. And I discovered during my teaching of English 122, writing about literature and ideas, Mm -hmm. that sometimes you'd be talking about a story in class and you'd realize, well, wait a minute. There's an idea about this. I wonder if anyone's ever said this before. And so you do some research and you realize, huh, nobody has. So a lot of the early stuff that I wrote came out of things that I was teaching at LCC, Hmm. which was cool. And I kind of like science fiction. So I'm, you know, medium familiar with the works of people like Ray Bradbury Mm -hmm. or Robert A. Heinlein, the fellow who wrote uh, Starship Troopers and um, Stranger in a Strange Land, for example. So I've written about them. Uh, I was asked, a number of years ago to edit a collection of chapters on Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Okay. And they had this project, but they didn't have a volume editor. So I did this. Now, I always thought that an editor was just the person that fixes the commas and stuff. Now, actually, though, when you see a book and it says comma, ed on the spine, mm-hmm. what that means is that's the person who solicits all the authors. So that's the person who stands there electronically in a tuxedo Hmm. on the street corner with a sign in their hand, hoping that enough people, enough professors and scholars are going to come to the party. And then you have to decide, you know, what is the person planning to do? Is it going to fit this book? And then you are the 
point person for every question they have. Okay. Whether it's how long is the thing, does this work, does that work, can I do this, when am I going to get paid, you're the point person for all of that. Then you write a bunch of what we call in the business apparatus. There's an introduction. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to write that. That's the editor. Somebody does the stuff at the back. Um, often you can do a chapter or two yourself. Okay. Someone has to summarize all the chapters in the beginning. Chapter one is about this. Chapter oh. two discusses such and such. Um, sounds really simple, but man, it's a lot of work. No, it doesn't sound simple to me at all, actually. And I never realized the roles that the editor did. I didn't know. Me either. I just, like you said, I thought it was grammar. Yeah. And so yeah. I didn't understand all that. So that's that's interesting. And you've done that with um, several different projects? I've done it three times. I've done it for a collection on Fahrenheit 451, mm -hmm. for a collection on the works of Robert A. Heinlein, and then for a collection on the works of Ray Bradbury, you know, not just 451. And each one of these is for a company called Salem Press, which is part of a larger organization called Gray House, which is part of a very large organization called EBSCO. Mm. And those are the people who run the library databases that we subscribe to. Oh, really? It is a huge, huge corporation. Wow. Yeah. And when I, but I did attend to the commas as well. So okay. I was the person to make sure that all the grammar was correct, to make sure that none of the style was too crazy. And at one point, my, my series editor, as I was submitting everything, she said, wow, either these people are all really great writers, or you've really gone over this carefully. And I'm like, well, yeah, uh, I'm not going to give you crap. Right. It's my, my job. job. Right. Yeah, it's my job. I get it. So... That's more of the nonfiction aspect of your writing. Mm -hmm. What about the fiction? Have you wrote any fiction? I did do a book in 2014, and back in the day when I was working on it, you and I were talking about it. I like know. every couple of days, I'd bring in, I'd bring in some ideas, and we'd go back and forth. I know, I was so excited about that. Like I yeah, really was, was a part of it. <laughs> yeah, you really were. Um, that novel's called Student Body. It's about a graduate student who has a has a little fling with an ex-student, which is not supposed to be done. Exactly. He's married, and you know, if this comes out, it's going to look really bad, potentially career killing. And so there's there's politics, there's murder, there's sexuality, there's family, there's duty. It's it's a very interior novel. You know, it's not a bunch of glass breaking and guns drawn and, yeah. and you know car crashes it's all in your head uh -huh. you know i liked it a great deal it got some play on uh wkar and okay. on the lsj and you know i liked it there were some good reviews it sold it sold some copies and you can still get it through oh, amazon yeah, it's, it's on amazon student body okay. and most recently my partner, Martine Reif, who's an English professor, okay. had a sabbatical, and she was working on the concept of memoir. Now, I never knew the difference between memoir and autobiography, but, you know, she told me, an autobiography is your entire life. A memoir is focused on part of your life. Okay. So she did this really interesting memoir on how her mother worked at a community college as a secretary and how that informed Martine's life. Mm. And she did a 
a bunch of apparatus work, a bunch of historical work. And, and so the point of the sabbatical was to work this into teaching right. to help students do this type of stuff. So I thought, wow, well, I'm a dad. Maybe I could do a memoir on dadhood. Mm. So I did that. Oh. And that was fun for me. And I actually, it was about the size of Fahrenheit 451. Okay. And it had a bunch of family pictures in it. I self-published that on Amazon also. Oh, wow. So that was back in uh, uh, 2020. And then I took this course called Cultural Portraits by this professor named Rife. Yeah. And I, I got the idea in class one day to do a book on family humor. So I did a book of eight generations of of humor in my family. Oh, wow. And to me, it was interesting. Now, the back the back blurb says, abandon all taste, ye who enter here. <laughs> so if you look on Amazon, and you look up my name, and you'll, you'll see, um, have you ever been to an Irishman shanty? A Midwestern family's humor across eight generations. When you use the look inside function, if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see the index. And if you look through that index, you will decide whether it's appropriate for you to read that book or not. Right. Okay, you're giving them a little warning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. sure. That, that makes me want to read it now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm about to go look that up. I, um, I think that that was one of the fun part of uh, working, coming to work. You know, we work, but we got a chance to, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm really... I'm an author's assistant. I'm really doing a little, a, a, a great service here yeah. with bouncing ideas. But yeah, it just showed me about the process of writing, and I learned a lot about it. So, Rafiq, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Well, I think I'm an introvert, actually. You do? Yeah. I mean, I'm extroverted with my friends, but you know how a lot of people have a bajillion friends or they walk into a party and they're going to greet all these people they don't yeah. know. And Hey, how are you? Yeah. And, oh, tell me. I'm not really that kind of person. I'm a little more reserved. No, I can get that too. Because I think like, I think I have traits of introvertness, right? I, I, I need a break. Yeah. I don't need, I can't be around people all the time. I need to woosah and go in my own quiet place and just take a deep breath and, you know, yeah, I get that. So I could see that happening. And what are some of your hobbies? I know writing. What's something else? Oh, yeah, writing and reading. Mm -hmm. I do like to walk. Okay. I do like to take road trips. I like to just sometimes drive around on the weekend and, you know, go see stuff, get an ice cream or something. Yeah. And I, I'm becoming a little more, a little more outdoorsy in terms of the outdoor work. Oh, okay. So last weekend, I put up, you know, 150 feet of fence, which included pounding nine T-posts by hand, and mm. hand crimping all the wire, and hanging a couple of gates, and blah, blah, blah. Um, See, so that's work to me. It kind it of is. It sounds like you enjoy doing that, though, like seeing something completed. or It is neat. Um, I hung these pair of eight-foot gates on the driveway, and they looked pretty good. And then one was running downhill just a teeny bit, so I was able to tweak it back up. And I'm okay. like, man, that looks good Yeah, now. yeah. Your yeah. details. You yeah. got to go back to that. Okay, well, 
Rafiq, we're going to get ready to end it shortly, but I wanted to ask you one more question. And I like this one. I don't know. I may start asking it to everybody, but what life lessons have you had to learn the hard way? That's a good one. And that's a thing we say in my family, the hard way. Mm -hmm. Like you're walking around, oh, I almost found that nail the hard way. Right. You know, walking around in your bare feet. Part of it's listening. Part of it's looking at the whole context. You know, don't just, you see one thing that catches your eye in a problem, don't just jump in and grab that. Look at the whole context. There are other things going on. You got to get the whole picture. So I think that's, I think that's the thing for me. Don't rush in too fast. Make sure you got the whole picture. I think that right there is definitely a good way to end this interview. Rafiq, I want to thank you for taking time to come on Who's That Star today. We learned about what your role is at Academic Affairs, and we also had an opportunity to look at the things that you've done in your writing and how you trained great advisors, and you were a great advisor yourself. So, I, again, thank you for coming. And audience, we look forward to having you come back to find out next week Who's That Star. You've been listening to Who's That Star. I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out who's that star. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College is proud to present We're Better Than That, an anti-bigotry campaign. Embracing diversity is a continuing process, one that requires honesty, cooperation, and meaningful conversations. At Lansing Community College, we understand our journey towards inclusion and equity begins with an examination of how we relate to one another and a pledge to engage in the work necessary for meaningful progress to facilitate conversations and initiatives that will combat racism and hate speech in our college community. The Office of Diversity and Inclusion has partnered with the Office of Police and Public Safety to create We're Better Than That a comprehensive campaign to combat institutional bias and racism. To find out more about We're Better Than That, visit lcc.edu. Take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange, then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place, making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next... Um, Dad... Uh, yeah, sweetie. Is that an old plumbing manual? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, honey. We really need to get some new books. Right, um, do do you want me to stop? Nah, I kind of want to know how it ends. Okay, tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank 
with a screwdriver and crescent wrench. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The University Center at Lansing Community College collaborates with five four-year universities to provide easy transfer pathways for more than 30 bachelor's degrees programs. Visit lcc.edu uc to learn more. LCC Connect is looking for Lansing Community College students to catch the vibe with the podcast Power Up. LCC students, your voice is important, so take this opportunity to tell us what's important to you with a chance to host a podcast-based radio show on 89.7 FM. The deadline to enter the podcast power-up is June 3rd. Find details at lcc.edu slash power-up. That's lcc.edu slash power-up. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're listening to LCC Alumni Stories, a show dedicated to highlighting the amazing alumni of Lansing Community College. I'm Steve Robinson, president of LCC, and on each episode, I have the awesome privilege of getting to know one of our many inspiring alums and hearing about their experiences at and since leaving LCC. The LCC alumni community is expansive and far-reaching. They're an incredibly diverse group of people representative of all walks of life, working in hundreds of industries across the country. LCC Alumni Stories shines a bright light on the alumni who make a positive contribution to their community and showcases those who've overcome obstacles and barriers to achieve academic and personal success. These are their dynamic stories. Today, my guest is Tony Sabo, a 1998 graduate of LCC, earning a degree in applied arts and 3D animation. He's currently the vice president and creative director at Addis Enterprises. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm really excited to talk to you because when we were doing a project together, I told you about the show and I immediately wanted to get you on, but a lot has happened since then, so it took a while to get you here. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Excellent. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing great. So Tony and I, we we uh, met in person for the first time when we were both dapper dads. <laughs> that was a trip, wasn't it? It sure was. So if you're, for listeners who are not familiar with uh, Women Working Wonders uh, fundraiser, Dapper Dads, Tony and I got to dress up in Katachek's clothing and go down the runway with all the lights and the music. And it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was. Got a Strut our stuff. We did. And, and you had one of your kids with you, right? I did. Yeah. I did. Tell me about that. That must have been special. Actually, yeah. I had uh, two of my sons with me, um, Landon and Lucas. And uh, yep, they got all dressed up, walked the runway with me. And uh, to end it, my other son, Landon, actually went up to the did a flip at the end and that's right i was backstage but i heard the crowd went nuts yeah it was really cool they kind of they kind of showed me up and helped me out so it was good well i i had a similar strategy i didn't bring any of my kids but we brought some lcc students mm -hmm. and uh i it, it was it was a really fun event for a great cause sure was say so before we talk about your time here at lcc as a, as an alum i would love to hear about what you're doing now at addis tell me a little bit about your company and 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 what you do professionally sure well addis enterprises is a full design and marketing firm mm -hmm. yeah uh, so about seven years ago we rebooted addis enterprises um john came to me uh one day and says you know hey do we get jobs uh at michigan state 
um, do you want to reboot this company? What would you like to do? And mm -hmm. uh, so we went out and interviewed at Michigan State. I interviewed about two to three different departments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, got a couple offers. Um, John got a really amazing offer at MSU. Okay. And he pulled me back into his house and he said, do you really want to do that? Or do you want to just take a leap of faith? and go out and uh, restart this company. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I wanna restart this company, let's do it. So uh, about a couple months from working in his, in his house over on the West Side neighborhood, we decided to just uh, go look at some property. Mm -hmm. And we got a place right next to right next to Midtown Brewing Company. Right here downtown. Right downtown, uh -huh. yeah. And that went extremely well. We ended up hiring Jody Miller, which was also from our old company, um, great friend of ours. And it was just the three of us for a while and hired a couple more uh, people a couple months down the road and then outgrew that building very fast. Wow. So within probably a year of being downtown, we decided to look around and we got a place off of... Uh, Michigan Avenue and Mount Hope okay. and we bought a building there and we bought the building next door and we took the garage and made it into a green screen studio uh, slash lounge area for our clients. Okay. Um, and we within I would say two to three years we grew to 15 to 16 people. We wow grew, that's huge growth. Yeah we grew really fast which was a little scary. Um, I don't know how prepared we were right off the bat but uh, you know the, the past Three years, I'd say, has been really like um, taking our policies and perfecting them. And now that we're like considered a, a big boy company, we had to uh, really concentrate on policies and make sure um, we grew um, strategically Got and it. smart. So, so, no. so the fork in the road at the beginning is that we're gonna are we gonna work for somebody else yeah. at a research university, or are mm -hmm. we gonna are we gonna go our own way uh, with this company? And you've had incredible growth. Tell me a little bit about what you do with your clients. You're you're still in that design animation mm -hmm. space, right? What 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 kind of work do you uh, do you do for for clients? So, so for our clients, actually, you LCC it was a client of ours about four years ago. Fantastic. We, yeah. What did we what did we do with you? Um, what uh, what career fits you? We did that campaign. It, they were uh, f uh, animate uh, Adobe or back in the old school days, Flash right, ads. Right, Flash animation. Yeah, man. so we I redid those in animate, uh, Adobe animate. And uh, we did a campaign where we, we took uh, vector graphics and just created um, some simple 2D animations, uh, 15 second clips, so you could sprinkle those all throughout different local websites of Lansing. Um, and, and we had any category from nursing to uh, construction, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, even audio. I think we did a, a fun little audio one. So had a little soundboard animation of a guy like adjusting the sound levels and things like that. That's cool. And that yeah. it's still an important part of, uh, of college storytelling is animation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So sounds like, sounds like you did some spots that uh, highlighted career pathways for mm -hmm. us. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned Flash. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm older <laughs> than you, but I remember um, when that was the, the the way animation worked on yeah. the web, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Homestar Runner, the Flash cartoon. No. Okay, well, anyway, okay. it's it's now sort of defunct because you, you all the all the uh, animation was on Flash. And uh, teach me the technology that it doesn't run anymore, right? Flash doesn't run on... Does on, not. Okay. Completely dead. Completely <laughs> dead format. So... Mm -hmm. So what are the formats you're, you're de developing and designing in for clients right now? So HTML5, uh, like 
like anything canvas related through animate so mm -hmm. that just converts to html5 canvas um but uh the the, the most exciting thing i think we do mm -hmm. at us enterprises and i'm being biased because this is my degree okay this is what you do. animation uh -huh. and backing up outside of uh um outside of Addis Enterprises, just before we, we kind of had that middle phase of trying to find jobs, I did work at LCC for a year oh. uh, with Sean Huberty over at West Campus. Oh, okay, and West Campus. Yeah, we yeah. built a video game over there, and I got to learn a lot of like t like 3D um, gaming engine uh, modeling and things like that, and I got to put together their website and mm -hmm. um, do a, a really cool, uh, I think it was called the, the Smart Neighborhood. Okay, and cool. it was kind of like taking the West Campus and what would it look like with future wind technology and all sorts of fun oh, animations. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a great pivot point to talk about you as an LCC grad. You graduated in 98 and you actually studied animation here. Tell me, tell me, how did you get to LCC? Did you grow up around here and what, was this your... Uh, your first choice for college. What was your? What brought you to LCC? Sure. Well, we uh, grew up in Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, moved to Lansing when I was fourteen. Mm -hmm. Went to Grand Lodge High School. Okay. Um, didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Um, I really struggled uh, coming here. Like you know, I uh, I wanted to be an architect, okay. but math was not my strong suit. So. Uh, I talked it over with my parents and my mom just kept saying like, you are an awesome artist. Since you were a little boy, you were building stuff around the house and you know, I could see you being an architect, but like maybe you should just go talk to a student advisor. So I did, I met with an advisor. Here, here at LCC? Uh, at LCC, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, and I kinda, I, I wanted to start off at see, like maybe start off at LCC and transfer at MSU, but I just was like, you know what? I wanna see how just two year, a two year college goes, mm -hmm. and I knew this was a was a great fit. So I met with a student advisor here, and um, it was Sharon Wood. I'm not sure if Sharon is still here, okay. but she uh, she sat me down and she asked me, um, you know, what do you like to do with art? And I said, oh, I like to draw stuff like that. And uh -huh. She said, Well, do you want to make soup soup can labels for? Um, like graphic design, and I looked at her, and I was like, absolutely not. That <laughs> so she kinda, asked you specifically, yeah. you want to design labels yeah. for food products, yeah. okay. She said that, well, that's one field, and mm -hmm. it wasn't really um, that wasn't the doing best it for way you. to sell in graphic design, okay. but yeah, she, I mean, she kind of, because she had something better in store for me. She says, or do you want to make dinosaurs walk in Jurassic Park? And my eyes lit up. I was like, yes, that's what a specific memory. That's great advising, yeah. by the way. You yeah, know, she's creating a vision for you in your head about yes. so so making dinosaurs walk. That sounded pretty cool. Yeah, huh? and Jurassic right. Park was huge then, and that's I was like, right, that was a huge time for uh, for for that movie. So that's what you decided your path was going to be. Tell me a little bit about the classes that you took. Yeah, um, I, I remember Photoshop very clearly. Right. Um, I love Photoshop now. I mean, the, it's the, a, such an important tool in yeah. all kinds of design. Right? All kinds. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I took like typography. I remember it was all hand drawn at that point. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, it was a uh, page maker, I think back in the day. That, that's a familiar name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I took page major page maker and uh, I can't remember what the equivalent program was. Um, but I, I learned that I learned Painter, which mm -hmm. does not exist anymore. I don't I don't think unless they've changed it around. I think it's called 
Corel Painter. All right, yeah, Corel yeah. Draw, Corel yeah. Paint. There were there were these other yeah. applications. Believe it or not, I mean, a lot of them are just obsolete now. But what's um, interesting but, to me to hear you t talk about all these throwback um, applications or, or software programs. While they're gone, the principles of them still apply, right? So, yes. the so the design principles that you studied in your classes on these now defunct, e even Flash, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the ideas, the principles are still the same, correct? Correct. Yeah, so tell me, what, what makes a good animation? I mean, tell me uh, from your perspective, how, how do you make an animation appealing? Storytelling. Okay, tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you a good example. Yeah. Um, uh, a professor at MSU, Dr. Richard Persley, uh, came to me and said, I have this idea, like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm thinking of taking, um, uh, he, he's, uh, let me back up, he's a professor um, for uh, animal science department. Okay, and he great. works with basically uh, the estrocycle of, of cows. And he wow. said, what if we did, like, we took a photo of a cow and took another photo of a cow and you kind of like just do voiceover like they're talking to each other. And I said, and I thought to myself, can I really get that point across with just still images? Mm -hmm. And then I actually um, chatted with him about like what 3D animation actually is and, and how I could take your imagination and your ideas like talking cows and actually make them come to life and animate and make them feel like a, a Disney short Pixar. Um, that sounds really cool. So that's what we did. We, we took a, a four-part series called Blazing Star. Uh, Blazing Star, uh, I think it's... These are cow names. Yeah. Blaze yep. and Star. Exactly. Okay. I can, I'm already picturing it in my head. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's a four-part series, and they're about five minutes per clip. Um, and he uses them for basically educating his students. Uh, you could go on just YouTube and just research Blazing Star. They're... If they're really funny. He wrote all the uh, scripting, and uh, the, the the like. The really cool part is, you know, you, you just find your your voiceover talent, mm -hmm. which is a couple girls he worked with okay. uh, in the department, and you they record the voiceover, and I place it into like Lightwave, and then you start by like you know purchasing 3D models or building out 3D models, and then you go on set and location to the dairy farm. And you take reference photos of everything, the stalls, the, the, the architecture of the entire place. And you start bringing in those photos into Photoshop. And another thing you would do is when you're at those locations, you would take what's called texture photos, like the, of the ground, straw, what they eat, huh. um, the cow's surface, things like that. So what I would do is I would take a lot of photos of like the back walls. What do the back walls look like? Well, they're aluminum and they're, they, they're, they're dirty aluminum. So I'd take a photo of that and take a photo of the ground. And what you would do is take those texture photos and then you would start building out your models and you would map those UV texture maps onto the ground, onto the cows. So you're taking real life photos and just mapping them into a, a 3D environment. Wow. Yeah, and then you light the light the scene, you you surface the scene, then you work on camera camera work, and then you take the actual 3D models and you rig them, and then you take the voiceover and you start to play them and every time the cow like blaze talks, you you look at the inflections of the words and then when they say like an r, you kind of take the the 
the, the facial expression of what an R looks like. Yeah, to face. simulate to what, a, what a human face would do when it's making that noise. Exactly. So, so uh, that's uh, fascinating to me. So how much of those kinds of principles did you pick up in your classes here, and how much did you have to learn after the fact? A ton of them here. Like, you know, I, I loved getting, like, taking what Sharon taught me mm -hmm. and going home and spending another you know, five or six hours and just perfecting what I learned in class. But like she's your said, own animation. Yeah. Like just just stuff for um I think we had an end project, like make a room, light it and animate through it. Okay. And so I would take what she taught me in class and I would go home and just try to perfect this animation for uh for some award ceremony at the mm -hmm. end. And it was uh yeah, I would say like she set a great foundation here and I would again, try to perfect what she taught me, but then I always wanted to go above and beyond, and mm -hmm. go home and learn, and then come back the next day and, and feel like I, I really have comprehended it. Unlike math, where you know, I would sit in math class and I would just get so far behind because I was like, oh, no more, I cannot catch up. But I wanted to make sure I was on top of my A game when it came to uh, the animation. So the animation stuff, you always had that that appetite for more, right? Yes. That's what I'm, yes. uh, what I'm hearing. So you took classes in, in animation, and typography, mm -hmm. and design. Mm -hmm. You graduated in 98. Uh, what'd you do right after graduation? Did you go work for a company doing animation? What? Tell me about that. Sure, I, I went to a company called Blue Lobster Multimedia Productions. Okay. Uh, it was a little F.D. Hayes um, sister branch, okay. um, electric, and it was an awesome job. We literally, I started off as an intern and, and then it turned into a six year job. So we would take um, dimmer switches okay. uh, for companies like Wiremold and Leviton. We would take dimmer switches and we'd get like 10 mo physical models of a dimmer switch and we would just wreck them. We would break them apart and there would be a circuit board and there'd be all these little pieces on there. And what sa same thing with like the cows, we'd break it completely off all the models apart the physical models and then i'd take a photo of like the circuit board and then i would actually model that and then i'd take what i broke off of the circuit board and then i would model and surface that and then attach it to that and so basically what would happen is we'd have a full 3d model and then we'd have some voiceover work done um explaining how this dimmer switch gets installed and we would do an explosive view, so the model would pull apart, and it would we'd show how to connect the wires properly to an outlet, um, how certain screws go in, and things like that. And it was a training device. Wow. So um, yeah, let me see if I get this right. It's fascinating because in order to you, what you were making essentially were instructional videos mm -hmm. or like almost like visual manuals for these for these switches. And, you know, if you've ever worked with one of these things, you get a little white piece of paper that you open up and it's got these little diagrams and it's really hard to understand. You made essentially a teaching tool for, what, the installation and repair of these things? Exactly. And must Was it fun to break these things? Oh, it's so much fun. So I, <laughs> I got to know about this. So so you, you're, you're taking images of them at various stages mm -hmm. of deconstruction. How did you actually break them they seem like they'd be hard to break yeah well a lot some of them you know you would just unscrew certain parts but yeah a lot of them we would needle nose pliers you just take them and Snap wreck the it. plastic and really this is why you got probably 10 different models because you would need to you know actually use uh or, or actually surface and model them perfectly 
but you you know it'd be pretty hard to do with half of them because they're so destroyed and wrecked um so yeah we would have like i said i would probably get through about four to five models and then we'd have five left over but um yeah it was it was just needle nose players hammers sometimes we just sit there and paint. That's, that's funny so the the audience of these videos are what technicians and then technicians, just end, yeah. end users who are who are uh, who are installing them. Yep. That's great. So you were there for six years. About six years, yeah. yeah. what'd you do after that? Oh, probably American Eagle and uh, Meyer Warehouse. Uh -huh. Yeah, I kind of dropped off for a while. I would say I worked at Meyer Warehouse for four to five years. Okay. And then I realized, like, I have to do, I have to get back into You want to go field. back into animation, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so I went to Robert Half Associates in Novi, and I said, hey, I'm kind of going back into the ball game. Here's my old resume uh, my old work now the problem is is 3d animation is super cool but we don't live in new york chicago and not for one not a lot of people have heard about it Two, the pricing it can be a little high so um a lot of people are like oh we'll just go with still images so so yeah. tell me a little bit about that it's more expensive i'm guessing because it's more labor intensive to create right exactly it's one thing to just take still images but if you're going to do 3d modeling um it, it, it's going to cost more right yeah and and that's usually a a, a five to ten person team for, for animation really and i'm yeah one person team so uh so yeah i went to robert half and i i I did a little bit of web development okay. um, dabbling when I was at Blue Lobster. Mm -hmm. And that was when you're using tables, I believe, uh, tables and frames to build websites. I remember websites. that. Yeah, yeah, scary. So I, 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 I kind of had that background. And then after that, I got placed into a company in Waterford, Michigan. It was mm -hmm. a law firm, and he wanted to put together um, uh, AdSense websites, which is kind of bizarre. Um, so I, I started to learn a little bit more web development there. Okay. Uh, that lasted about two years, and then I moved back to Lansing because I was I moved down to Howell, and then moved back to Lansing, and then I went back to Robert Half, and they placed me again into a company called Rizzy Designs. That's that was about twelve years ago. Okay. And that's where I just said, hey. I got animation skills, but I understand that there may not be a huge market for it. Okay. So I self-taught uh, myself uh, websites, mm -hmm. how to program front-end development. Right. Um, and then I got huge back into Flash, um, graphics, uh, premiere editing, video editing, audio editing, things like that. And I loved it. Uh, but then it was time to like make a move to the new company about seven years ago. And I really started to realize that just, just web development is huge in the city. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody needs a website for a starting business. It's true. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the front door for your enterprise or your organization. Yeah. So, and I, I, I got heavier into the, the web development. And mm -hmm. then my boss just said, you know, like, I think I need to make you creative director. Like, cause, because you're starting to like design every website you see mm -hmm. that in Lansing that we've done has been, you know, your eye. So why don't you start doing all the front end mocks and things like that. And then I would also do my video editing on the side. I'd, you know, we do a lot of uh, editing with uh, Premiere, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. But I always had that passion for 3D and John saw 
at Rizzy Designs the success in it. Even though we we only had maybe three or four clients, he saw that there was a lot of potential, a lot of like, if hey, if we could really break this door wide open, let's do it. So he bought me the software. He bought me Lightwave, which Sharon actually taught me Lightwave. Right here at LCC. Yeah, yeah. I believe cool. I believe they're using Maya now. Okay. It, um, but uh, yeah, they're you know I'm still one of those people in Lansing that. Uh, that use Lightwave. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a couple other uh, cool cats in Lansing that still use it that I like to hit up and say, hey, you know, how do you do this still? Because it's, it's Lightwave is, you know, the, the big ones are Maya, Soft Image, and anything like the big studios use. Got it. Uh, but Lightwave still is is just, it's a, an amazing tool. It's a powerful tool. And I just told John, I said, hey, we need to continue this service. Mm -hmm. And right now I think we have about 16 or 17 animation clients under our belt at Edison Enterprises. Uh -huh. um, any anywhere ranging from, uh, you know, MSU Dairy. Um, we've done the MSU U of M Rugby uh, intro outro graphics for those. Very cool. Yeah, we're hoping that's going to happen again for 2022. That's um, great. Yeah, uh, we we do a lot of logos for businesses. That's kind of the biggest thing. We do a lot of like just just logos for businesses. They have hey, here's my EPS file do something cool with this make it like flip around have some smoke and fire behind the logo and well and motion is so important uh, mm -hmm. for that right so to 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 attract somebody's eye or to pull them in yeah. so and and i find it fascinating that you're still using a tool that you learned here at lcc in the 90s yeah. i mean that that that's that's very very cool yeah you know before uh we end tony mm -hmm. uh tell me a little bit about what it was like to be a student here at, at that time uh you know you're you're obviously deeply deeply immersed in this animation uh you've got an, an advisor has gotten you excited about it what what about outside of the classroom what kind of things were happening here when you were a student yeah well i I really transitioned at that age with like my entire life, like mm -hmm. like high school, going from kind of the dorky bully kid getting bullied. Uh, you know, I I knew like oh I needed a change. I'm mm -hmm. glad I went to a new school and mm -hmm. you know I started meeting a lot of really cool people. Okay, so you met LCC. met a lot of people. On your yeah, year. it's a cool campus. Do and, you bump into anybody that you studied animation with? Anybody professionally? You see them around? Okay, so believe it or not, um, my wife Twee she had a friend at auto owners that it was like hey you know he he just left auto owners this guy is a brilliant videographer mm -hmm. and so he she's like can you can you can you do our wedding and i was just like oh do we need a videographer she's mm -hmm. like no no just just in, for a favor for me can we hire him and i okay. said okay absolutely and uh his name is lex and i met lex and i was just like man you look familiar and he's like, yeah, man, we used to like be in class together at LCC. No way, here at yeah. LCC. And I was just, and so we shared stories and I was just like, man, like I had no idea, like, like I, I just don't remember you being there, but I guess he was just in one class and he's like, oh, I sat in the back, but he, I mean, he's brilliant. Mm -hmm. He's like, and he was like, yeah, man, I contribute all my success to LCC and that, and that those classes we took together. Well, very cool. Well, yeah. I have to talk to him. Yeah. yeah. Tony, it. it has been so fun to have you on the show. Yeah. Great to see you again. And I'm, I'm really fascinated that you're still using the same design platform that yeah. you learned here. Uh, I know that designers get really attached to the environment and the software that they use. So that's really cool. And yeah. uh, thanks for sharing your LCC story uh, with us. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
LCC Alumni Stories is recorded, engineered, and produced by me, Steve Robinson, on LCC's downtown campus. The soundtrack, Who Told You, is licensed through DeWolf Music and was performed by Ian McCanty. Thanks for listening. Learn more about what our alumni have been up to here at LCC at lccconnect.org. And if you're an LCC alum and want to share your story with me, send me an email at steve.robinson at lcc.edu. Until next time, keep learning. This is LCC Connect on WLNZ 89.7 FM. Keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan Reconnect a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. ReConnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu slash reconnect for more information. Hi, I'm Melissa Kaplan, and I host a show called Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. It's all about the creativity in our classrooms and on campus here at LCC and the connections we have with the community. You can catch Galaxy Forum here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org.